Welcome to Uplift All Voices, where we highlight unique people striving to address issues in diverse media representation. My name is Charlotte Cow. I'm Claudia Lin. And I'm Claire Chen, the Project Director of Uplift All Voices. I'm super excited to be involved in this podcast, and you'll definitely be hearing from me a lot more from now on. In this episode, we talked to Hina Kojima, a high school junior who, together with her sister Kana, created a short film called Relive to Remember. Relive to Remember is a collection of stories from Japanese-American prison camp survivors that aims to help communities achieve cultural awareness, consciousness, and sensitivity. Today, Hina will be talking about the inspiration and process behind the creation of Relive to Remember, as well as historical patterns of oppression and racism in the United States, and why keeping stories alive is a form of protest. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So we, my sister and I, who's a sophomore at Redwood High, actually started this documentary. It was kind of, it's kind of started as a passion project. You know, we just moved to America. Um, at that time, we moved to America around seven months ago. And we were always really interested in the social issues in Japan and Singapore, which is where we lived before we moved to America. And when we moved here and we were in our history classes, we realized we actually really don't know much about, um, I guess, P POC's role in American history, just because in regular American history classes in school and even in AP classes, it's not it doesn't give fair representation to people of color. Mm -hmm. And it's especially difficult to figure out where Asians fit in um, into that role because there are uh, units about um, slavery, segregation. And I've always wondered, you know, how do Asians fit into that? Mm -hmm. And then there was this one unit that my sister talked about. It was about the Japanese prison camps during World War II. And I've honestly, I've never heard of it. Like I've heard of it, but I, really didn't know anything about it and then she had this amazing teacher who um he really went over it in depth and we realized there's we realized there's some survivors that are still here and it would be so great to be able to interview them and create a documentary and then so our next step from that was we applied to the dragon kim foundation fellowship which was a fellowship that granted five thousand dollars to pursue a project that um, empowers the community. And so just to give some background on the Dragon Kim Foundation, it's an amazing foundation started by this amazing couple who lost their son Dragon a couple years back and they created a foundation in his honor. And um, it's pretty much just a nonprofit that uh, if you apply for it, you know, you pitch your idea to them. And uh, thankfully we were uh, accepted into the program and uh, we began contacting people and we were kind of skeptical because a lot of people uh, were like oh no sorry and then we were just a bit I guess we didn't realize how hard the whole process would be until we actually did it and finally when you know, we got our interviewees and we um, we interviewed them. It was just so eye-opening. It was really such a great experience. Yeah. So what was the importance of, well, you mentioned it, how like Japanese prison camps weren't really taught in school and like Asian representation in American history isn't something that's addressed very often. 
but why were you so keen in like creating specifically like a documentary rather than um i don't know just like recording the interviews and putting them online why are you interested in creating like a documentary that featured historical footage as well well um my sister it was actually kind of her idea to create a documentary because before this whole process i did not know how hard filmmaking was the editing process was just brutal but it was definitely worth it all in the end my sister she was supposed to go to um, a camp in New York that taught filmmaking this summer. Uh, um, unfortunately, that was canceled because of COVID. But I don't know, we were always kind of interested in it. And it's definitely something that I want to do again. And I'm so glad that I did go through this process. Um, and when I say that, you know, Asians aren't really represented in American history, especially when they're taught at school, it was just dumb luck that my sister got this one teacher who actually uh, taught um, the internment camps during World War II. And I thought, you know what, how great would it be if we actually did something and we were able to integrate it into the school curriculum. So that's kind of just like a personal goal of ours. Oh, that's so amazing. So were you able to have this documentary like shown throughout various history classes? Um, not yet. We have a confirmation that it will be integrated into the program of one of the freshmen um, in the freshman English class, uh, thanks to that one teacher that we reached out to. And then um, right now we're busy kind of just getting um, just getting the attention to our film and, you know, it's just spreading it on social media and trying to get as much uh, views as we can. And then um, we are planning to, we're, we're not exactly sure what our next steps are yet, but we definitely do want to, uh, you know, contact the principals, the superintendents, and ask them if they can officially integrate the film into um, their program, which would be amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. So what do you think is the importance of having you know, kids watch documentaries like this? Like, why is it important for people to learn about history through film? Well, I think it's important because it's a lot more personal than reading something through a textbook or just reading documents about it. And I realized that, you know, with everything going on today, I think that it's more relevant than ever because um, I, 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 you guys all watched the film, right? Um, there was you know, it connected into the Black Lives Matter movement and how there's this pattern of racism that's been repeating itself th since the beginning. And I do think that it's important for kids to watch this, especially now, because a lot of these events where these injustices occurred, the survivors, well, there's few, there's very few of them left. And by the time people really understand like the depth of it and how serious the situation actually was it's too late because a lot of the survivors and the former prisoners they're already gone so this is just um me and my sister's way of just sharing um sharing some people's stories just so they can live forever yeah and you mentioned this briefly like the process of creating the documentary um, could you kind of like walk us through what was it like finding the survivors and interviewing them? What were your emotions like as you were interviewing them? Yeah, so 
uh, we came across this website called Sewer for Solidarity. It's actually a nonprofit that protests the current migrant border camps. And the founders of those, uh, of this uh, nonprofit, they were uh, former prisoners of the internment camps. And we contacted the co-founder, Satsuki Ina. You may remember her from the film. Um, she gave us the contact information of other survivors that she knows. And thankfully they all agreed and we were able to interview them. As you can tell, three of, out of the six interviewees, three of them were online and three of them were in person. And just hearing people's stories, I, at first I had this like vision in my mind that it was just gonna be really straightforward and it's just gonna be like this here to here to here to here. And then when after, I collected all the footage, I watched back through it, and I transcribed it. I scrapped that whole idea because these people have such different and unique stories, and it's not what I like how I thought it would be. I thought they would all ha have similar experiences, and while some of them did, just especially after they came out of the camps, it how everyone reacted to it, how their families reacted to it. Um, it was a different experience for each family. And the fact that we captured that on film, I thought was really amazing. And I knew, okay, I can't mess this up. I have to really get it right. And, um, you know, at first I was a bit bummed that three of the interviews were online. And, um, and then after I went back over it, someone actually told me, you know, I actually think it's better this way because it reflects like the times we live in now. And that completely just made sense to me. And so I'm actually, I actually like it the way it is. I like it that three of it, three of them is online, even though, you know, the video quality is not as good and the audio isn't as great. But I'm, I'm honestly so grateful for these, ex the, the experiences I had being able to interview these people because they're all amazing people and they all took such different paths in life. And they talked about how it impacted them as adults, how it impacted their parents, how it impacted the way their parents raised their kids. And I thought it was really just incredible to hear how, um, especially how, I guess how all of these people that they dedicated their lives to some form of activism regarding the prison camps afterwards. I thought that was really, um, inspiring and honorable and I just I knew that their stories needed to be shared and I know that um so the title of your documentary is relive to remember could you tell us a little bit about why you chose that name for um the documentary well um the the dragon kim foundation it they made us have like a name put in place and we actually switched names a couple times just because you know we weren't very sure but as Satsuki Ina, one of our interviewees said, you know, remembering is a form of protest in a way because she says, any perpetrators of a crime will want you to forget that it ever happened. Mm -hmm. But if you remember what happened, then, and you keep passing on those stories, it's less likely that it's going to happen again in the future. Mm -hmm. And watching the documentary, because at this point, it's like the most personal you can get is watching someone be vulnerable and share their stories. So watching the documentary is re kind of reliving with them through their experiences. And 
um, remembering their experiences by sharing their stories, it is a form of protest in a way. Yeah, so um, in your documentary, uh, you noted that the last line that Satsuki Ina said about how remembering is a form of protest, you said that that really resonated with you. So we were kind of wondering, uh, why is that so? Well, I think that it really stuck with me and my sister because we have, we've never thought of it in that perspective. You know, because usually when people say remember, it's just like thinking about something from the past. And when you hear the words remembering and protest, they don't really sound like they have any correlation between them. But I, I realized after putting the film together and watching everybody's interviews all over again, that sharing these stories is just so important because the True for Solidarity, the nonprofit that protests the migrant border camps, um, their, their whole message is pretty much, you know, we're letting incarceration happen again um, based on race. And it's completely just, it's a horrible event happening today. And when we talked about in the film, how we talked about, you know, Miss Ina, are there parallels between the prison camps during World War II and the border camps today? And she's like, there's, it's a pattern. It's not even a parallel. It's just a pattern that has been with American history since the beginning, you know, and these, racist acts there we're allowing them to continue today and just by um i don't know my sister and i thought something as simple as making a documentary could raise awareness awareness and um yeah just make people more informed about current issues today and how that can, it can always be connected to past events mm -hmm. definitely and um, I know that it opened up with, um, like the film opened up with the idea of euphemisms. Can, could you elaborate more on like why you decided to open up with um, that? Yeah, well, I, we, you may have heard of the prison camps as uh, Japanese internment camps mm -hmm. or relocation camps. Those are the most common, we use phrases, I think in textbooks and documents and everything. And even me, my sister and I, we were also calling it the internment camps because that's what we thought they were called. And then during our first interview with Miss Ina, we realized, you know, she told us, um, you know, euphemistic language really distorted the pattern of history and what happened in those camps. And she's like, she said, we're trying to correct it and tell it how it is, which it was a prison. It what they weren't relocated somewhere and it wasn't temporary internment it was a prison they those families they lost everything they had their property seized they had their bank accounts taken away everything to their name was taken away and they were left with absolutely nothing when they came out of those prisons it was a prison it wasn't it i think one of our interviewees said the government tried to make it seem like, oh, we're only moving the Japanese population. We're not, they're not imprisoned. They're basically free, but that's not what happened. And just correcting these simple phrases can make the biggest differences. For sure, yeah. I think it's so important. I think that that's why it's so important that like we, 
and people of color are able to tell like their own stories and amplify their voices so it's not told by other people um, especially in like American history so I really love that. Um, I know you tied in a lot about you know different historical events and how uh, this incident with Japanese prison camps it wasn't just one time it's something that keeps repeating throughout American history so um, we were wondering why did you choose to really expand beyond the topic of Japanese American prison camps? Well at the very beginning we weren't planning to we were just going to it, we just thought it was going to be you know a collection of stories told through these survivors and then as we were going through the interviews they every single one of them they all had an opinion on what was happening today and they were all talking about the past what their parents went through what their grandparents went through what their own children had to go through and they all brought up these amazing points that it it's a pattern that's been happening since the beginning and that's that's part of the reason why they're so interested or they're so passionate about advocating for change. And I think um, one of our interviewees, Ron Wakabayashi, he was a former Department of Justice member. Uh, he said, you know, for the Black Lives Matter movement, everybody thinks it's, it's this extraordinary out of nowhere movement, but he says it's not. It's been building up for years and years. And this is what happens when you know, a group or a minority is has been oppressed for so long. This is what happens. And I liked, and we actually had a public screening of our film over Zoom and just the discussion with the pan, the, we had a panel discussion with the interviewees after, and, you know, people would ask them questions and just the turnout was amazing. And the people asking questions asked the most amazing questions. And we realized, you know, Asians, do fit into kind of a model minority role. Part It's partly a cultural thing where you don't burden your children with events of the past and you try to give them the best future as possible. And silence, it's always better to suffer than silence than to air your grievances to the public and the community. And that's part of the reason why the generation stayed so silent about the camp. And um, I think that we realize now that it's important to not stay silent, to tell your stories because other people of color and other minorities will relate to that and they have their own stories to share. So it, it all connects together. It's not just one group. It's not just Japanese Americans. It, every single group and minorities, they all have stories that connect together. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, it's so important for all by POC to just work together and try to make change. Um, okay, so we are also wondering just generally what is, what were you generally hoping the audiences would take away from watching your documentary? We were hoping that the audience would take away pretty much everything my sister and I did, you know, understanding um, euphemistic language and I think the main three were understanding euphemistic language, um, remembering as a form of protest, and just recognize the pattern of racism throughout American history. You know, one of our interviewees said, you know, America was built on racism. It started with, um, you know, taking the lands of Native Americans, slavery, and 
you know, the mass genocides of indig indigenous people, these are, they're taught in history, but they're not explained to the point that pinpoints it back to racism. They explain it as wars or, you know, conflicts, but it's just pure racism. And I think that a lot of big statements came out of the documentary, and I just wanted people to take away the idea that change is more necessary now than it, is than it ever has been before, because people are finally starting to recognize this pattern, and it needs to be broken. Okay, and one last question. If you could say anything to your audience or just anyone watching this, what would it be? I would say just to... Um, you know, listen to people's stories and be aware of everything that's happening today. You know, I know it's a bit difficult in the media right now because a lot of media is biased or there's just flat out false information out there. So it's difficult to be completely and 100% aware of everything. So just to pay attention especially to the elderly generation, because they have gone through so much and they have so much wisdom about life and especially um, POC elderly. They really have experienced so much and just understanding their perspectives and taking in consideration their own opinions about um, current events, I, I believe is very important and people should understand. Mm -hmm.